Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Ladies and gents, I am so excited about this one. Today, I am chatting to the wonderful, the lovely Doreen Steenland. And um, Doreen, let me just introduce her. Doreen empowers Christian mums to launch emotionally competent world changers who love well. Doreen's goal is for parents to become unhackable mums who empower unhackable teens. (laughs) No pressure, Doreen. (laughs) The mums she works with empowers their teens to block unauthorized access, which is a brain hack, to their thoughts and emotions. They raise raise teens that know what they believe, who are comfortable in their skin and have amazing social skills that will impact, influence and lead others so they can change the world. Doreen says, I believe growing the next generation in emotional intelligence will be the key to making lasting changes worldwide. Doreen lives in the United States with her husband, Richard, and is the owner of Living Full Life Coaching. She's a mum to three amazing young adults who has launched at 23, and she truly gets that parenting really is rather messy. When she's not coaching parents, she is golfing, walking, biking, or hiking. My goodness, you have a lot going on, my love. How wonderful. (laughs) I am so thrilled you're here. Thank you, Kai, for having me. I am honored that you even invited me. Um, ah. It's so exciting to to share a passion together, and I know that we do that. We do. I, I, th- I think we're on, on, on the same wavelength as well, which I, I do find is always much easier when you're speaking to sort of someone, when you sort of feel a connection before you even start. So that's a bonus. And um, we, are, we are in the sort of same... Um, cohort of, of parenting coaches but it is my mission one day to sort of give you a proper hug rather than a virtual so watch this space <laughs> oh I love it <laughs> thank you so we, we were just talking a little bit just before I started recording you are I think we sort of have a should have a little sort of party popper moment because you are a newly certified unhackable coach so tell us about that Doreen what's all that about okay well Every single day, our brains are being hacked by all that is going on around us. We are being hacked by our smartphones, multitasking, video games, all of the videos, the the news, decisions, all of the things are hacking our brains and keeping us distracted. And when we are distracted, we are reactionary parents. Mm -hmm. Think about that. When we are distracted, we are functioning on autopilot and our brains uh, react in ways that we always react, right? We solve problems the same way all the time. So if my reaction to a problem is to scream and yell, right? (laughs) My automatic reaction, that is how I'm going to respond when my brain has been hacked. And What all of this distraction does is it keeps us from becoming innovative and and, um, uh, creative adults and and teens. And so I feel like if, um, if we don't work on learning how our brains work, because that's where all creation comes from, that's where problem solving comes from. If we don't understand how the brains work in coordination with the emotions and the whole person, then we're not going to be able to solve these huge problems that face us in society. You're quite right, because a a couple of times the parents that I've been speaking to, you know, I sort of say, well, 
a lot of this is biology. It's not your child being stroppy. It's not your child being, you know, sort of pushing. Well, yes, of course it is that they're pushing your buttons. But this is biology. This is what happens. And when I explain to the mum, invariably it's the mum, um, what's going on in her child's head, she sort of goes, oh, my goodness, I didn't realise that all this was going on. And, and you know, and, and it sort of makes us, it, it's it's not not that it gives our kids a get out of jail free card. It doesn't, but it makes us more empathetic, really, doesn't it? Yes, and that is the key. I mean, if you realize that this is not only going on in our kids' brains, but every single person, every political activist, it, this is happening in all of our brains. And if we can have an idea of what's going on and what the threat triggers are, we can then take a step back, have empathy for others and, and approach them in a less threatening way, right? And then we can actually listen to each other and solve problems together creatively. So therefore, if we are sitting there sort of having empathy for others because their brains are being hacked, surely it's got to start right here hasn't it it's got to start with number one because the same is happening to us exactly and that so my initial work when I first started coaching was with teenagers yeah and I loved working with teenagers but I realized that I only had them for one hour at a time Mm -hmm. the moms the parents have them 24 seven. So I needed to shift and start work, start working with moms and teach them some of these things so that they can then empower their kids. They can then teach it to their kids because really that is it's everything in my opinion starts in the home. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I agree with you because this is sort of where, where I sort of started out is that, um, you know, helping each child and when you're helping the child you're helping one person at a time which is brilliant there's nothing wrong with that but when you are helping the mum you're actually helping the family yes which then has a rippling effect doesn't it so you're actually not only are you helping the family but let's get really big you're actually beginning to sort of help future generations which is pretty awesome it's an amazing calling that we have isn't it guy i mean we get to do this how exciting is it (laughs) I mean, no, you're quite right. I absolutely love it. And it's when you actually see those light bulb moments and you, you know, and you sort of say something, which for us, um, you know, we've sort of done this quite a bit. We, we, you know, and, and we are seeing probably very similar sort of situations in many families. But it's when you see that light bulb moment and the penny drop for someone, you know, it's going to make a difference. It, that's, that's wonderful. That's gold for me. Yes, that is what keeps me going. And so, I know, yeah. how, how do we get these mums, because let's face it, that's who the audience for this podcast is. Um, how do we get them to start with number one, start with looking out and protecting the stuff that they're being bombarded with on a daily basis so that we have that impact for, for, for our kids? Yeah. So... I love to start um, with them noticing how many times a day their brain is actually being hacked. How just just asking your moms to just notice because any change starts with first awareness, right? We need to be aware that this is happening, and oftentimes we are victims of our circumstances. We believe that um, our circumstances are causing our problems, but it's really our thoughts and emotions about our circumstances that are causing our problems. So if we could take a step back and see exactly what we we are thinking and feeling, exactly what is interfering with with the outburst that just happened, we'll find that, that a lot of it comes from internal chatter within ourselves or distractions that have made us impatient. And and I know nothing can make us respond a certain way. I get that. So I take that sentence back. But um, these outside factors hack our brains and leave us exhausted and, and we respond to automatic responses. 
automatic reactions. And so notice how many times a day your brain is being hacked and you're doing things automatically. And and then saying to yourself after, I wish I would have said that better. I wish that conversation did not go like that. I wish I had more control over it. So it starts first by acknowledging um, how many times a day you're doing that and recognizing it. It's, it, you're quite right. I mean, uh, I'm sort of finding that now, especially with, with what's going on at the minute. I mean, I you you guys are um, probably sort of media-wise sort of subjected to a lot of the sort of political chat that's going on. Um, I, I've got to the stage where I hear that our government are making U-turns left, right and centre, and all of this triggers me. And so what I have taught myself is to... Um, remove myself from that sort of media frenzy and and because it it gives me um probably a much sort of simpler world without sort of you know because there are many things we can't control um so why get pulled into that sort of negativity and that toxicity is is that the sort of example you're talking about that is that is the first place to start i mean we are being hacked by the media constantly yeah. And we are giving them unauthorized access to our brains. And they are just camping out there. And it is causing us to react and respond. So by decreasing that stimuli, and I'm not saying to put your head in the sand and pretend there's no problems, but we can't think clearly when when we are reacting. Right. Think about that. We need to get out of the limbic system of the brain and go to the prefrontal cortex where all creative and innovative thinking happens. And we cannot get to that place if we are in constant threat mode and trigger mode and reaction mode. And it's the same with our parenting. I mean, we're talking right now about society and the news and, and the left and the right and whatever. And who, who we don't even need to get into that. Mm-hmm. But we need to find creative ways to solve problems. And if we continue to label, name call and shame, Our brains are very crafty. They just look for evidence of what we perceive to be true. Right. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So that is what's happening. It's called negativity bias. And we are constantly in tune to what's negative. And we're looking for evidence to prove it to be true. Yeah, I, I, I am so guilty of that. You're quite right. It's, but I guess it's, you know, I I just use the media as an example, but it's, it's things like um, kids answering back or kids not sort of wanting to do chores or, or um, the, the sort of kids doing the victim or other half not sort of singing from the same hymn sheet as yourself. I guess it's all those external factors, isn't it? It is. It incorporates all of it. And I know that I've talked a lot about you know, the brain and everything. But it's so important to break it down in simple terms so that we can really understand what's going on inside of us. And yes, it comes down to respectful conversations with your team. It comes down to um, not snapping back when they slam the door or roll roll their eyes at you, right? Because those are triggers to us. Those are triggers of... of, um, uh, our status being disrespected, right? Yeah. That's a brain trigger. Yeah. When our status is disrespected, um, we are triggered to react, right? Because that's how the brain is wired. And so we need to take a step back and pause and take a deep breath and ask ourselves, what is going on inside for me right now? Right? Because let's face it, the eye rolls and the door slamming, it is part of our team's learning how to break away, they're disrespectful, they're, they're getting their space, they're getting their independence. But what needs to change is the way we react to it. Because when we react in a way that's disrespectful back, we are just teaching them to treat disrespect with disrespect. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Do you see where we're going? Oh, totally, totally. I mean, a, a lot of the parents I sort of speak to, I, I, I sort of say very much like you, is that we need to love, understand and respect. And respect is the one that all the many, many parents sort of pick up on and go, I'm not going to respect them. They're so dis- disrespectful to me. And the thing is, is we need to walk the talk, don't we? We need to lead by example. And it, it I, I think many parents feel, but I'm the boss, I'm the one in control. I, you know, I've got to have control over my children. And yet it doesn't work like that with teenagers anymore, does it? No, things have totally changed when you're when you're dealing with teenagers because they are trying to be independent adults. But something super important about what you just said and, and the what's really going on in our brains with um, the disrespect and not wanting to respect your team. Have you ever noticed um, when someone yawns in a room, everyone starts yawning? Totally. Yes, those are called mirror neurons. Our brains were wired to mimic what we see. Oh, okay. That's that's a really so, good example. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that cool? So if we if if we are being disrespectful, our teens' brains are going to pick up on that and they're going to give us give us it right back. But if we are being gentle, respectful, patient, and engaging in normal conversation, they see that and their brains start to mimic that. Now, will it happen overnight? No. No, obviously, because there's lots of other factors. We need to build the trust. We need to build a safe place. We need to be present for our teens. All of the things that we talk about all the time, kind of. I mean, it's, it's a whole package. But this whole um, way that emotional intelligence works with the neuroscience and with the positive parenting techniques is just a beautiful mixture. So I know that you're a firm believer, um, and this sort of flows on from what you've just said, is that we as parents need to adopt a more coaching approach to parent rather than let's say the managerial you know approach that we we used to have so t- tell me a bit more about your thinking behind that yes so when you have a coach approach as a parent you're not dictating you are not lecturing you are not telling what you're doing is you're asking um you're asking pointed questions at certain times or stating ideas to get your team to actually think right? Because what we want is we want to create teens that are able to think and solve problems on their own. Mm -hmm. If we continue to feed them the answers and tell them what to think and tell them what to do, they are not going to be able to access the thinking part of their brain and solve problems creatively because it's always about us being in the middle. We want to prepare them to launch and be independent. So the coach approach is really just um, getting them to think and process and solve problems on their own with your assistance. You're not telling, you're just prompting. Which is a real, it's, it's a real sort of shift of mindset for many parents, isn't it? Because, I mean, we, we talk about this sort of fast-paced world. We talk about having so many plates to spin, so much going on, that to actually, forgive me, Take the time to coach your child through the, now that wasn't a very sensible decision. You know, what did you learn? And it, it's rather time consuming, Doreen, isn't it? You know, rather than just do this because it works. Yes, but think about all the time that's wasted by yelling, fighting, <laughs> arguing, bickering. <laughs> right? Think about how much time we're wasting doing that and nothing is coming of it. There's no lasting change coming from that. Okay. So it is a bit of patience and doing the groundwork now so we reap the benefits later. Yes, absolutely. And, and seriously, I, I talk to parents all the time who are fearful of sending their kids off to college because they don't think they're ready. And, and they're probably not ready because the moms have been over-functioning in many ways in those relationships. 
And we're talking about taking the step back, not letting them go their own way, do their own thing, not without expecting high, uh, high, having high expectations for them. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we are just helping them to make good decisions. And if they make bad decisions, we're not shaming them, name calling, blaming them for making those bad decisions. We're looking at them from a growth mindset, like how can we learn and grow from what just happened? What would you like to do better next time? How could you prepare for that test in, in a more efficient way next time, right? All of those things. And it has to be uh, uh, us willing to give up a bit of control and stepping back and allowing them to have small failures so that they can learn to grow and succeed. I think you're, you're quite right. And, and with, with my hand on my heart, I know that that's the right thing to do. I mean, my, my kids are sort of through the other side of um, sort of teenage years, but they're still adolescents. And it's hard, though, watching them make these mistakes. It's hard when you can actually see them careering towards maybe a bad decision or maybe something that's not going to serve them. And so as a parent, yes, to allow them to make the sort of, you know, make mistakes, but it's, I, I just sort of find it really hard to take my foot off the gas and, and allow them to do the trip and fall because yes. we don't really want it, you know, from, I, I can feel those. I can feel the failures. I feel it with you right now. It's right in my chest and my heart. And I'm break, my heart is breaking when I think about any one of my kids failing at something. Even if they have a breakup in a relationship, it's heartbreaking for us as parents because we want to scoop in and pick them up like we did when they were young. Mm. And, um, you know, when they were young, that, that we were building that safety and that trust. And now um, they're entering the real world, right? If we continue to pick them up and not allow them to fail and learn from their failures, we're throwing them to the wolves, because nobody's going to pick them up and coddle them when they get to the real world. So I guess it's allowing them to trip and fall and just to be there, to be their safety net and to help them sort of mop up the pieces. Is, is that the way we do it? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like, um, I think someone used this analogy. I, I'm not remembering which coach or, or, author used this analogy, but the world is a big swimming pool, right? Yeah. And our, our teenagers are um, holding onto the side when teenage years begin, and then they start swimming off, and then they come back and touch the side again, and then they swim off, and then they come back and touch the side. And we just need to be the side of that pool. We need to be that boundary, that, that safe place that they can come back and grab hold of and process with without feeling shamed, blamed, labeled, or, or any of those things. We need to be that safe place for them to process. Because if our homes can't be that safe place, where will they find safety? Fair. Yeah. But our place has also got to be um, an arena for them to learn right from wrong. Absolutely. So, so how do we teach without, you know, sort of without giving them carte blanche, how do we teach our kids the boundaries, be it sort of, you know, driving under the influence or be it taking drugs or be it not submitting homework or be it not supporting their mates or whatever it is? How do we, you know, how do we impose boundaries so that they are guided properly, but still give them the space to make mistakes so that they learn. Yeah. And I think part of that is having a, co a coaching conversation with them when they, I have an example from my own personal parenting. I had one of my children wanted to smoke pot and they came to me and said, um, I think I want to try smoking pot. And I was like, oh, you know, internally your heart wants to like, Right. So, but I was, I thank God that I was able to maintain my composure and say in a calm way, wow, what, what is got you thinking about doing that? 
right? And then I listened. I didn't say it's wrong. You know what pot does to the kid's brain. I didn't go on a lecture and a tangent. I, I listened to what has got them doing that. And then the person said, my, my child said, well, a lot of my friends are doing it and I think it would be a good idea. And so then I said, well, what would be the consequences if you got caught doing it, right? Because this child said child was on a scholarship in a college for a sport and, and, oh, I'd lose my scholarship. Oh, okay. Well, you know, um, you know, mom and dad are not going to eat that cost for you. So what will your next step be if you lose that scholarship, you know? And we processed it and we processed it and we processed it just by answering questions. And then I said, well, what, what are the positives? And, and came up with one, like, I'll have fun. Oh, okay. So then I stepped back and I said, well, now you've got a big decision to make. And I, I trust that you're going to do the right thing. I showed him that I believed in him right. to make the decision now that he had the information. And he was able to sort through it. And then I had to stay silent. <laughs> I was going to say and gold medal for I, that one. Yeah, I know. It was so hard. And I waited. And then about two weeks later, I said, so, you know, I know you've been processing that. What, what did you decide? And, and they said, I decided that the risks were too great. It wasn't worth it. And so that was a huge parenting win by taking a coach approach, right? Well, did my heart want to scream? Yes, my heart wanted to scream. Did I want to tell and say no, 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 no? Because it's absolutely against this. This child knows it was absolutely against our home rules, right? I had done all of that groundwork coming mm. up to to the teenage years, um, but in a sense, they were able to use their brain and process right from wrong, the risks and the benefits and then make a decision. But you, you say that it was, um, you know, a, a sort of a parenting win in that you were able to have that conversation. I, th I think, take it sort of back a couple of steps, the very fact that he felt safe to have that conversation with you, because a lot of the time we are picking up the pieces when we are blindsided by the, have you heard what your son's done or your daughter's just done this or mom, help, I've done, I have messed up. So, you know, how do we get to that stage where our kids are willing to do the, mom, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? You know, because invariably we're picking up the pieces rather than laying out the sort of, you know, the, the arena to support them. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that is exactly where we began by being parents that are not distracted constantly and just reacting instead so we're going, of going back to the brain hacks. Here. We are back to the, yeah. the, yeah, we are right back full circle to the beginning because if we are running around distracted, overworked, busy, 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 going from thing to thing, the only thing we could do is react, 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 right? Yeah, we need to be intentional, not only about what is going on in our own heads and minds and thoughts and feelings, but we need to be intentional about what we are conveying to our teens. And we need to be a safe place where they can, like, if I flew off the handle at that child when they said that to me, like I wanted to do, yeah, because believe me, I felt it inside. I felt rage. I felt anger. I felt afraid. I felt as if I wanted to step in, control them, punish them, put them in a room. And, but that would not have got, that would have caused temporary band-aid, right? Totally. Yeah. I might've just punished them and kept them from doing it once. But then when they left two months from now, yeah. they would have done what they wanted to do because they never got to the place in their mind that that they had made a decision for themselves. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? With And what we forget about this wonderful thing called the teenage brain, or maybe it should be called the adolescent brain because it, it yes. keeps on develop, developing, is that it's the decision-making and the, 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 the sensible head that is developed last. So yeah. it is our job to keep reminding them and keep supporting them whilst this brain is developing. 
Yes. And, and the, the cool way the brain is developed, and I know you know this, Kai, but I'm telling this for your viewers, Yeah, that there's millions of little maps in our brains that have to do with habits and routines. And the more that we can uh, retrain those maps, create new pathways in the brain, the more it's going to stick in our team and the wider those pathways become. And when the pathways are wider, it's easier to travel down them. So all of this thinking stuff that we are working on with our teams is building big, wide pathways, like super highways, yeah. that, that will just become automatic for them. I, it's, it's just like, I, I liken it to the times tables, is when, when the little, they practice and practice and practice and practice, so it becomes a habit and it gets hardwired into the brain. So yes. when your child screws up with, let's say, the pot example, um, that is, they've had sort of one conversation. They've taken a while to process it. But it doesn't mean that that's been hardwired. They've got to, I, I guess we just have to keep educating them and reinforcing those values, isn't it? So that it's the repetition of the messages that, the, yes. that hardwire that sort of decision. Yes. And, and Kai, I love the whole idea of processing with them pros and cons lists right? Because their brains are not hardwired to take it to the next step. They're looking for immediate rewards, immediate gratification, and the teen brain is wired for risk, right? So if we don't connect the dots for them, the risk of the action that they're about to take and what the outcome would be and follow that path, they are not looking that far ahead. Yeah. That's our job. I mean, they can pick up their smartphone, Kai, and get all the information in the world here. Yeah. What they're lacking is the wisdom to apply it. Mm -hmm. Got you. That is our job as parents, to help them apply the wisdom without lecturing so that they can make their own connections. Because when a brain makes its own connection, then it's able to change. Yeah. And and that's where we need to, it's, it's from the coaching point of view, we've got to know our audience, haven't we? Because what motivates one child will not motivate another. So if you're using, again, the, the sort of drug scenario, you know, for one child, oh, heck, if I do this, I am going to lose my scholarship. And that might be enough to say, uh, -uh ain't going to do this. But you might have another child, which is a total social butterfly, who then sort of thinks, yeah, well, okay, but if I don't do this, then my um, peer group are going to sort of look down on me and I'm going to be ostracized. So we have to find another motivator, maybe scholarship doesn't cut it this time, to... Um, make sure that the brain actually sort of reacts and takes a, on board that lesson. So a coach approach is great because we are addressing the individuals rather than just anybody really, isn't it? Yes. It is so powerful because everyone has different internal motivators, right? And if we don't figure out what is motivating each of our individual kids, we don't know how to help make those connections in their brain for them. We don't know how to guide the conversation. If we don't understand what our kids' strengths are and, 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 and how they function best, we can't call on those things to solve problems for them. Like, let's say, for example, um, one of my kids' strengths is organization, right? And they're overwhelmed with something. How can you use your strength of organization to break things down in small pieces, I might ask her, right? Okay, and so now she's, she's able to say, oh, well, I can do this first. And then she's able to see the problem in smaller pieces. Do you see what I'm saying? So I knew that that is one of her motivators. That is something that she loves to be organized. She needs it. Right. So now I'm taking what I know to be true about her strength and her internal motivation and helping her apply that to her current situation. Got you. Yeah. So so it is. And it's 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 
accessing their world and you know sort of through their lens so that they are able to relate to what we're talking about isn't it really yes yes and and I can and as a coach we pick out conversations or things that we know that they can connect with and stories are great for that right mm-hmm. do you remember the time when the cat ran out the door and da 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 da, da you know connecting it with a situation that they have experienced really helps to to uh, grind that connection into their brain right yeah absolutely and and this is I mean, as as you sort of say this is how stories and problem solving are able to are, are relatable um yes. you know and and the the but i i've got um a, a couple of clients who are young kids and i'm just sort of going back to your sort of brain hacking because a lot of them know what we're saying. They, they appreciate, yeah, 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 I, I understand what you're saying. But what you don't understand is, is my friends do this. Or, and and a, a lot of kids seem somehow transfixed in just living in the social media world. And, you know, and, and I've got sort of, sort of teenagers who are sitting there sort of going, yeah, yeah, but, but you know, I'm looking at, Instagram the whole time and and it makes me feel this and it makes me feel that and I don't know how to get out of it and I'm how can we protect our kids from those brain hacks which let's face it when you're talking about the teen brain it's all it's all about hormones it's all about dopamine anyway so and it's it's that sort of draw that they know they shouldn't do it but they can't help but get drawn into it time and time again Yes, it's the whole status thing. Um, having those likes and seeing those likes does exactly what you said, Kai. It releases the hormones in the brain that make them feel good, make yeah. them feel be- like they belong. And it's teenagers want to belong. I'm sorry? It's so temporary. Yes, it is. So finding out what makes our kids unique and special is a great thing to, to cling to because when we, when we focus on the strengths instead of the weaknesses, we get to see how uniquely our child has been created. And when we are focusing on those things, we're giving them something that they can hold on to. Whereas the likes and the social media are all temporary, right? But when things go bad, we can call on those, those aspects of their strengths, their temperaments, their internal motivators, the things that make them unique that they can use to solve the problems right in front of them. Yeah, I I just, it just saddens me when I listen to these kids who are going, yeah, I know, I know all that. I know what you're saying. I, I understand that. But, but it's, they, they just can't I mean it for adults we you, you know as we were saying earlier it's it's find those brain hacks find those triggers and act to preserve yourself to protect yourself and yet somehow I just see these kids who are going down a rabbit warren of external validation and yet it never ever measures up there is always they are always going to end up lacking and you know I see beautiful girls and and you know sort of athletic girls you know and and guys who are just lacking so much confidence and I just sort of it saddens me when I just sort of say you've got so much going for you and they go yeah well you would say that wouldn't you and and yet they can't see it themselves and it's how we steer them through all that really Yes. And that's the beauty about this whole unhackable process. Um, when, when your brain is being hacked, you have the whole idea that you are, are nobody and you have nothing to offer. Yes. Because that is the place, the only place you could be. Yeah. Right. So if we can manage what we're allowing to have access to our brains. And, and this requires actually showing them <laughs> what is happening when, when, when they're sitting here watching video after video after video. And you can just, all right, here's, here's an idea. Just look at your screen time uh, thing on your phone. 
Do you want to scream? Like, all right, five hours. The average time that people spend on their screen is probably something like five to, to seven hours a day. Think about what could be accomplished yeah. for the good of society, for the good of our world, if we use that time more effectively. Yeah. If we stopped allowing things to hack our brains, we would be able to create and produce and try new ideas and be just excited about changing the world instead of a victim of the mundaneness of one day rolling into another. Well, that's it, because it's there's no variety. I mean, it's basically no. a different day, isn't it? It it's really, just, it, it's just, there's no let up from it all. No, but how different would it be if you came up with an idea, right? Something creative to solve a current problem that you're seeing, whether it be uh, a communication problem in our society or something, and you, and you figured out a way to test it and try it. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that is a different outlook on life. So it's, it's just trying to open that world up for, for our kids, isn't it? And showing them the alternatives rather than just looking at someone else's wonderfully technicolor world, which um, has probably been sort of photoshopped to within an inch of its life anyway. Yes. And, and, you know, I, as a Christian coach, I focus a lot on comparison. And, and I believe that we're not to compare ourselves with others. And so when I work with moms from that point of view, we focus a lot on, on, on comparison and, and the evils of it and the things that it prevents us from, from seeing and doing. It prevents us from seeing the beauty of how we've been created. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you totally. I say that um, comparison is the thief of joy because yes. we just, when we do go down that sort of that road, we tend not to, I don't know, we, we, we just don't see what's in front of us. We, we don't see the, the, what we can offer. We don't see our uniqueness. We don't see um, all, all the sort of the myriad of bits and pieces that we've got to offer through character, through, you know the the um, the things that we do. It's it just. I think we just. Yeah, we we, we don't. We're, we're not introspective enough sometimes. Yes, yes, I agree. And and we need to create that intentional space, not only for ourselves, but to to t show our teens and 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 help them to see that um, that space is sacred. Yeah. It is a sacred place of creativity and innovation. And if they want to be world changers, they've got to visit that sacred place where they can think without talking heads, telling them what to think and what to say and what to do. They need to be able to create that space because our teens are so talented. They've got, they've got so many positive things in them that can make lasting changes in this world and we just oh, have God. to help them to see it so so what does your un, unhackable process suggest then to for for i mean i i sort of immediately am answering my own question it's like put down your phone love <laughs> but, but what what is your what's your process so how does it guide us through all this well it, it's it's a complex process it's, oh i'm sure yeah but I think the first, <laughs> the first thing starts with taking ownership over what you're doing. It's, it's the same with having awareness, right? Taking ownership, like this is really controlling me. I'm waking up every day and looking at my streaks, yeah. right? My Snapchat streaks or whatever. I'm waking up and watching four hours of YouTube videos every day, yeah. right? It's, it's taking ownership and being accountable to yourself, right? Do you want better things for yourself than what you're doing? Or are you, you happy with the way this is going? I, I would venture to say with all the anxiety that our teens are facing right now, I would venture to say that it, it is coming from all of the distractions in their brains that they are unable to think and see a way out. 
I, I don't think our teens are, are, are on their own here. I think this is a problem for many adults as well. Yes. Anxiety has almost tripled in, yeah. in the last decade. Mm-hmm. And, and what has come with that? It's, it's all the distractions. It's all the constant stimuli, the, the not having space to breathe and think. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and the, the, the other thing I would say is they need to be responsible themselves because we cannot be their, their social media police. We are not called to police our kids because they're going to go off to college and they're going to do what they do. But we need to be training them to be responsible adults, to, be res- to, to take responsibility for their actions and know that their circumstances, they're not a victim of their circumstances. They are in control of their thoughts, emotions, actions, and results. And if they're getting crappy results, it's because they have crappy actions and crappy thoughts and crappy emotions. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. You've hit the hit the nail on the head is that for as long as we police all this, then we are going to have friction and, you know, sort of resentment and anger. And it's only when we actually are brave enough as parents to hand the reins back to our child and go, over to you, Sunshine, because it is their life. I mean, yes, as we talked about, we need the boundaries, but it's giving them the responsibility to 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 follow the path that serves them best, isn't it, really? Yes, and, and that path might include failure, and I know we talked about that already, and nobody wants to think about that, but yeah. I feel like the failures in the teenage years are so much better than the failures in adult years, right? Totally. The, the older they get, the bigger the failures, the higher the cost, the, the cost not only uh, financially, but mentally, uh, psychologically, physically, all of the above, the cost has increased. Yes. So why would we care about a test? One, failing one test does not make your child a failure. Mm-hmm. right it makes them a learner somebody who can learn to do it better next time somebody can learn and evaluate the process of what did I do that created this result what was I feeling in the middle of this test I was stressed because I was watching so and so finished early and I couldn't think anymore right so now you're helping them process their thoughts and emotions and they're then able to self-regulate then they're able to say, oh, wait a second. I remember last time I had a test, this happened. I was worried about what they were doing and I didn't focus on my own thing. So I failed that test, right? Now they've got tools they've learned. Yeah. And I think that's it. As parents, going right back to what you were saying at the beginning is where we have to be aware of our the things that are, you know, our brain hacks is the fact that when we acknowledge this, I guess we have to verbalize it so that and so that our kids are able to witness what's going on. Because if we don't talk about, oh, well, this happened and I reacted this way, or I felt, if we don't verbalize that, and it might sound a bit silly to begin with, but if we don't do that, then our kids aren't going to learn, are they? You are so right. That is absolutely correct. And you can visit it at the time, or you can visit it after the conversation. You could say, you know, mom is feeling a little uh, anxiety right now about our conversation. I just need five minutes to collect my thinking, to recenter myself. And then I want to come back and have this conversation in a respectful way. Yeah. Right, taking that time and telling them about it and processing it, and um, you know, even when you failed, going back to them and saying, you know, mom is not happy with the way I reacted um, in that conversation. Uh, let me tell you what was going on inside for me. Yes, right? and explaining that is making sense of what happened for them. And when we're able to make sense of our circumstances, we're able to. Uh, respond to them, we're able to adapt to them, we're able to be resilient and grow from them. And that's where, as you said earlier, that is where we are teaching them to connect the dots, isn't it? Yes. It's all about connecting those dots, Kai. (laughs) 
And I think I think we're still learning, aren't we? <laughs> oh, we are. It's a process. And I fail every day. I'm 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 not saying I'm sitting here on a high and holy horse that never gets it wrong because we're all human, right? We get it wrong. But when we get it wrong, making it right with our kids is is a lesson in and of itself. Yeah. I, I mean, I do remember my, my kids have both flown the nest, but I remember, you know, I mean, nearly on a daily basis, I was apologizing for something. Um, but I don't think that was a bad thing. I think it was, I think it was just showing them that, yeah, we even, even adults, well, I mean, they know that by now, but you know, when they're teenagers, but adults can, can sort of, you know, fall over and get it wrong. But as long as we, try and make good as you said make good of what what we've experienced and that's got to be a great lesson for our kids as well absolutely it teaches them responsibility it teaches yeah. them to be responsible adults and take uh take uh credit for where they've succeeded where they've failed all of the things that's what we want for our kids right and we need them to learn how to repair fractures because if they don't repair fractures in relationships we are seeing the result of that in our society right now. Totally. People cannot listen to each other because there's all of these cracks that have not been repaired. Yeah. My darling, thank you so much. I, I we, We've learned so much today and um, I really appreciate your time. Um, it's a great episode and, and I, I know I'm definitely going to be listening to it again. <laughs> Hi, it was just such a pleasure to be with you. It's so fun to be with a like-minded parent coach who just has the same heart as you to, yeah. to help moms be the best that they could be and help them get their kids uh, changing the world because that is what we want. But also, we're, we both realize that even though you are, you know, our mums are being the mums they want to be, we don't have to strive for perfection any longer. No. That's so such a blimmin' relief. <laughs> Absolutely. Nobody can be perfect. Trust me. I know. <laughs> Doreen, thank you so much indeed. Thank you. It was a pleasure, Kai. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child and we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.